Now, by now, you all know that I'm African-American. You done peeped that. You can tell I'm black. <laughs> I don't think. And here's the difference between black preachers and white preachers. We like when people participate. That means they talk back. When I'm preaching, you say amen. If you don't say amen, I'm going to keep you here all night. Matter of fact, I'm going to keep you here to Friday. You're going to miss the state in North Carolina game. But if you say amen, I'm going to let you out in about 30 minutes. That's right. See? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly right. My name is Daryl Smith. I live in Orlando, Florida, but I'm a native of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I am a Tennessee Vols fan. Perhaps tired of myself. And... Uh, it's a privilege to be here, and I, I, I'm the uh, executive director of Student Venture. Student Venture is the high school minister of Campus Crusade. What you all do here at, at, at the university, we do on high school campuses all throughout the United States and also internationally. We believe that college students can make a difference in, teen, in, in high school students' life. So one of the strategies, one of the things we try to do is try to mobilize college students while they're in college to be a part of reaching a high school close to their university. And tonight, uh, after this meeting, Student Venture will have a, a booth set up in the back. And if you would like to know more about Student Venture, you can uh, go to the booth and uh, the Bentleys and, and, and some of the volunteers that attend this school uh, will be at that booth also. I was sitting there pondering and thinking, and Todd even said to me, Darren, you know, we wanted to give you the freedom to counter, I know that the, uh, this semester they're talking about the fruit of the spirit. And I was prepared to speak on self-control. Uh, self Don't have a lot of it, but I was prepared to speak on it. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's supposed to be funny. There you go, laugh. There you go. Act like it's funny. Come on, help me out. And as I was sitting there pondering and, and praying, I'm, I'm, I want to do something a little different than one of the fruit of the spirits. One of the things, it's probably, I want to challenge you to be different. Because the, the, the Christians who are willing to be different are the Christians who are going to make a difference. And one of the challenges that we have in the, in the body of Christ today is that we want to play it safe as Christians. We say, give me enough Jesus to get me through a, a crusade meeting, to get me through a Sunday worship, but don't give me enough Jesus where he's going to impact my life, where Jesus is going to change my life, that I stand before him, and, and, and Jesus become my life. Colossians says, Christ is our life. And in Luke 14, there's a multitude, a crowd like this, a lot of people are, are hanging out with Jesus. Jesus had fed them. There was a lot of cool things going on. Some of them probably had met their girlfriend, met their spouse, you know, <laughs> hanging out with Jesus. You know, come on, girls. You know, come on, guys. You know you're taking the sister out saying, man, she's a 36, 24, 36. Oh, she's a brick house. Y'all know what you're saying. Yeah. Come on now. Y'all know what you're saying. I know, I know you're saved. Yeah, I know you're saved, but saved people, I'm, I'm married. That's, you know, saved people get married. They look at, you know, and, and girls, I know you're checking the brother out and saying, that brother fine. He, he almost looked better than Dara, almost. 
He ain't that fine, but he's fine. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And so this crowd is following Jesus. In, in, in Luke 14, it says that Jesus stopped and he turned around and he began to say something very profound. He began to talk to them about the cause of following him. And the challenge that we have in, in, in America, Christianity today, we look at everything from the lenses of American eyes. Because America teaches us that life is all about comfort and convenience. And the, and the Bible teaches us that the Christian life is all about surrender and sacrifice. And men and women, God has so seen fit to bring six, seven hundred of you all to be a part of a crew movement, a crusade movement, that you can impact not just your campus, that's the place where you start, but those, those uh, spring projects and those summer projects, that you can impact the world. That the, if the world's going to be impacted, it's going to take men and women who are willing to lay it all on the line. And Jesus began to say, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to follow me, the call of God is not always convenient, it's not always comfortable, but it's always correct. And he said, if you're going to follow me, I want you to, you can't follow me because grandmama followed me. This is what Jesus is telling the multitude. I know grandmama followed me and grandmama gave her tithe. He said, but look, this is about me and you now. You can't follow me because it's a cool thing to do. Following Jesus is not just about being a part of Christian activities. We believe that the Christian life is about Christian activities. That I'm going to go to my light party and, and, and my light fellowship, and we're going to bring our light uh, potluck meals, and, and we're going to have our light parties. And no, the Christian life is making a difference. Because in Luke 15, Jesus began to talk about the lost. He said the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. But before he get to 15 and 14, he said, look, if you're going to really be about the lost, there's three things that's going to have to happen in your life and that's going to have to happen in my life. If we're really going to live out what God has called us to live out, in Luke 14, we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up in verse 25. It says, now great multitudes was going along with him, and he turned and said to them, see, I didn't make it up. I know y'all thought I was making it up. It's in the Bible. <laughs> and this is what he says. If anyone comes to me and do not hate, that word hate means love less or prefer, do not his own father, mother, wife, and children, and brother, and sister, Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, he says, does not sit down first and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to 
laugh at him or ridicule him. Saying this man began to build a tower and was not able to finish. Then he gave us another illustration in 31 about a king going to war and if he don't have enough, he has to send somebody to ask for peace and all that. And then in verse 33, he says, so therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions of all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good. But even if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has an ear, let him hear. I'm going to give you three things, and we're going we're to lay our mouths on that, on that passage, and we're going to double-click it and open it up. If you and I... <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But anyway, <laughs> here's the three, if you're taking notes. If you and I are going to be a true follower of Christ and make a difference, we're going to have to prefer him over others. Not only will we have to prefer him over others, we're going to have to prefer him over ourselves, and we're going to have to prefer him over stuff. If you and I are going to truly follow Christ, this is what Christ is saying. He said, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to prefer me. You're going to have to love me more than you even love your parents. You're going to have to love me more than that girl that you like or that guy that you like. You're going to have to love me more than your homeboys and your homegirls. You're going to have to love me more than anybody. I'm going to have to be the most significant thing in your life because if not, it's going to hinder what I'm, on, what I'm asking or calling you to do. Give an example. My mom was born in 1925. Let me say something. This is not, this illustration is not about racism, so just hold on to me, track with me. <laughs> so in 1945, she was 20. So you take a couple years off, she was 17, 18, and 43. She couldn't attend college. Then African Americans couldn't come to North Carolina State. They couldn't go to any university. So she was deprived of the opportunity of having an education. She was told that she was less than a human, that she didn't deserve to be educated. Obviously, that experience had an effect on her life. Now, here's my point. So when I was born and the older I got, and when I got ready to come on Step of Crusade, which there was mostly all white people who liked to eat casseroles. I'm from, I'm from the hood in Chattanooga. I want me some green beans, neck bone, collard greens, chitlins, and all that kind of stuff. Ribs. All white people want to eat leftover food, put milk in it, bread crumbs, put it in the oven, and call it casserole. That ain't no meal. You don't get this eating casserole. That ain't got nothing to do with the message. Nothing. So my mom was told, and she believed that white people felt that they, they was a superior and that she was inferior. So when I began to think about coming on staff or doing the work of God and that God was calling me to, my mom said, don't trust white people. You better keep one eye open. You don't trust them. I know what some of the other black people in there saying. My mom told me the same thing. <laughs> Now, 
God began to speak to me about taking the gospel to teenagers. I had to prefer either God or my mom. I had to come to a conclusion that my mom, who had been hurt and rightly so and, and had some things, that her teaching was wrong and God's teaching was right. That God was right. If I would, don't miss this, if I would have preferred my mom, whom I love with all my heart, she made sacrifices for me, whom I love, but if I would have preferred her over Christ, I wouldn't be standing on this stage right today. God has given me as an inner city kid who grew up in the house of Christ and never knew his dad, God has given me the platform to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. I get a chance to travel and speak to not only inner city kids, but college students, homeless people, NFL players, uh, people from every walk of life. You know what? But if I would have listened and preferred what my mom said, over what my dad, we said, what God said, I wouldn't have been able to live out his call on my life. And men and women, that's going to come a point that God is going to speak to you about some things. Some of you all, God's going to call you to go on those uh, mission uh, projects they was talking about. And people are going to try to talk you out of it. They're going to say, oh, you ought to be doing this. And you, that's the waste of your time. And you're going to have to say, who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to my friends and maybe even my parents? Or am I going to listen to God? Some of you all, God is going to call to the mission field. He's going to speak to you by coming on staff with a mission organization. And that's going to be people say, you spent all that money to go to college and get an engineering degree, and you're going to do what? You're going to be a missionary. You're going to trust God for your livelihood. And you're going to have to decide if you're going to make a difference, you're going to have to be willing to be different. When I came on staff of Campus Crusade, there was people telling me, Daryl, I'm talking about Christians. I ain't talking about lost folks. There was Christians saying, why would you quit your job? Don't leave your job. Don't leave your security. That don't make sense. So I had to listen to God or listen to people. Who was I going to prefer? And this is what Jesus is saying. I want you to count the cost. Don't follow me because your parents follow me. Don't follow me because you're in the Bible belt and people go to church. That's the right thing to do. No, if you're going to follow me, don't follow me because it's a cool environment. 700 people come out on Thursday night and we sing, you sing praises and worships about me. That ain't the reason you follow me. You follow me because you love me and you want to surrender your life to me because I surrendered my life for you. Amen. Don't miss that. If I was in a black church, they'd say, that's tight, but it's right. <laughs> The reason you and I want to sacrifice and give it all and surrender all, because God gave it all when he gave his only begotten son. He didn't keep nothing back. So the question tonight, who do you prefer? Who do you prefer? Let's put it in our language. Who are you trying to please? God or people? God or people? He said, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, you're going to prefer me over others. 
But then he switched gears. He say, yes, and even your own life. Number two, he said, you got to prefer me over others. I mean, over, over, over others, number one, you got to prefer me over yourself. Now, how you like that? It's, it's a, it might be a lot easier to prefer God over somebody else, but what about me? Paul said he died daily. You and I have to lay all our dreams and goals on the altar. If you're going to follow Christ, there's nothing wrong with having dreams and goals and desires. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to lay them at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, you got to do what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Father, I don't want to go to the cross. Can we get like come up with another way to, to say the world? <laughs> Do it have to be the crucifixion? And he said, but not my will, your will. How many of you all are at the place in your Christian life that you're saying, Lord, here's my goals. Here's my dreams. Here's the things I want to accomplish. But not my will, your will. What if God, what if God speak to your heart about going to East Asia? What if, what if God speak to your heart about going to Africa? What if God speak to your heart about being single for the rest of your life so he can, so you won't have to focus on a man or a woman. You can just focus on your relationship with him. See, that's the sacrifice that the Christian life at the core of Christianity those who are going to make a difference have to be willing to be different. It won't make sense to everybody. It won't make sense. You owe the government $80,000. You done borrowed all that money, and, and now you get a degree, and you're going to go now and ask people to give you money so you can do the work of the Lord. That don't make sense. But guess what? This is what the Bible says. I ain't said it. I'm not bright enough and smart enough to come up with this one. The wisdom of this world is foolish unto God. That's what the Bible says. See, God will call you to do some things that Larry King is going to sound foolish to him. God will call you to do some things to Bill O'Reilly ain't going to make sense. To Jesse Jackson and Ab Shopton and, 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 and Fox and CNN, it won't make sense. Because what they believe that God, that we are here to live in convenience and comfort and that success that your life is defined by what you wear, what you drive, what you live, where you live, and what your position and title is. God says success is defined based on him. Well, Daryl, are you making that up? No, I'm not making it up. That ain't just good preaching. In Luke 12, there was two brothers. <coughs> they came to Jesus, and they said, divide, divide the inheritance between us. And Jesus said, wait, beware of greed. Success is not defined by the basis on the things that a man have in life. Men and women, I don't care how successful you are, there will never be a funeral with a U-Haul truck behind you. Naked you came in into this world, naked you gonna leave. That's a fact. Steve Jobs, God ain't impressed. God, when he got, when he stood before God, the Bible says, appointed unto man, once to die, then after this to judgment. When he stood before God, God was like, oh, dude, you cool. You came up with the iPhone, the smartphone. Dude, come on, man. Give me some. Listen, tell me, how did you come up with it? Guess what God asked him? What did you do with my son? God said, what did you do with my son? See, at the end of your life, at the end, men might be impressed with what I do or what I accomplish, but, but God is not impressed because God said there's two types of people in the world. 
Black folk and white folk, that ain't what he said. <laughs> I promise that ain't what he said. That's heresy. That's bad, that is bad theology. No. God says there's two types of people in the world. He that have the son, have the life. He that have not the son, have not the life. Game over. God has appointed a day that he's going to judge this world by that one man giving testimony about raising him from the dead. That man is Jesus Christ. God would never ask you, what do your tattoo mean? Your mama might want to know, your dad. They might be upset that you got a tattoo. But God care about, do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Success is not defined based on what you drive, who you date, uh, what your GPA is, and you ought to make good grades. Good grades are going to help you for the next 40, 50 years in his life. But Jesus is going to carry you all through the next life. So I'm not minimizing that. Go for it. Get it. But don't put your hope in it. Your hope ought to be in the person of Christ. And because of that, you ought to be able to stand before him. That's why he said that the peace of God which surpasses all human comprehension. God will call you to do something and give you so much peace, no human being will be able to understand it. Because God will call you to it. So, are you willing to put, are, are, you, gonna, are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to stand spiritually naked before God and say, Lord, here is my life. Lord, I have dreams. I have goals. I have desires. I'm willing to, I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to step out. And God, you don't have to show me the whole picture. The world, the world, the world says get you a strategic plan. And if it makes sense, you can get your arm around it, then you do it. If it don't make sense and you don't have a long-term goal plan, don't do it. God says if I speak it, you do it, and I, and that's the life of faith. God don't always show us the whole picture. That's why the Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolish to God. God won't always show you. you okay, now give me some Bible illustrations. Noah. Noah was an old preacher, and God told him it was going to rain. Now, we understand rain because we see rain, but the Bible said it had never rained before and told him to begin to build an ark. And he began to build an ark. And can you imagine he building that boat in North Carolina and, and his kids attend North Carolina State and everybody laughing at his kids. Man, your dad crazy. He building a boat. Ha <laughs> ha, look at your old foolish daddy. He ain't got no sense. He's talking about water gonna fall out the sky. Water ain't gonna fall out the sky. I'm going to the North Carolina game in North Carolina State. I don't believe it's gonna rain. It ain't gonna rain. And then while you're in the game in the fourth quarter, drip, drop, <laughs> drip, drop. Rain started to come. And the rain flooded the whole earth because God told Noah something. And by faith, the Bible says Noah moved by faith, reverencing God, fearing God. He moved out according to what God had spoken. Not only did it save Noah, but it saved his whole household. Because, see, when you, when you, when you say, Lord, my, my, my life is not my own, to you, I, to you I belong, then God said, now I want you to trust me with the unseen. But not only that, with the unknown. I'll give you another example. Abram. Abram moved out. The Bible said not knowing. Come on now. Think about this in the 21st century. Abram go home and tell his wife. God told us to move. Where where, 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 you to, where, where are you going, Lord? Because that's what the Bible says. Uh, Sarah called him Lord. And he said, I don't know. We're just going to get on I-40 and we're going to take off. <laughs> God just said get on 40. 
you know, she loved her husband, and so she said, oh, yeah, okay. Then, you know, she began to tweet and, and hit on Facebook. We're moving out, not knowing where we're going. And then you, you can see all her homegirls hitting the back. You say, girl, don't you follow that fool. <laughs> don't you follow him. He done lost his mind. And I mean, folks are texting and tweeting and everything and, and, and trying to get out of doubt. But see, that's what I'm saying. When you decide, when you really begin to sing the song and mean it in your gut, I surrender all. God will call you to a life that will allow you to look foolish and allow you to look like you don't have any sense. But you have sense because, see, here's the thing. You can always hold on God's promise when you can't hold on to your plan. You can always hold on to God's promise. What God speaks to you over here, no matter what happened in the next five or ten years, you should always hold on to the promise. So you got to prefer God over Others, you got to prefer him over yourself. And third, you got to prefer him over stuff. I believe that the number one hindrance to us fulfilling the Great Commission is, 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 is the American dream. That we really pursuing the American dream more than we're pursuing the heavenly vision. That we believe that stuff is going to make us happy. This is what he said. Unless you're willing to give up. That word give up don't mean reckless abandonment. He ain't saying that you can't have anything. He said, but your heart should be that if I call you to something, you cannot look at stuff and say, Lord, I can't follow you because my goal is to get the big house. My goal is to get the big car. Because what we believe that the world says, this is what the world tells you going to make you be happy. That when you grow up, you go to college, you go to high school, you make good grades, you go to college, you make good grades, you meet a girl or guy who makes good grades, y'all get married, you have kids who make good grades and, and do good, and then you get a big house because you made good grades and you're doing good, and you get a nice car and you're going to be happy. Now, you all, some of you all know that ain't true. Can I be candid? You know how you know? Because you have lived in a house where you know it's not true. Stuff would never make you happy. The only people who believe stuff going to make you happy are people who never had stuff. Stuff would never give you significance. If you and your spouse, when you get married, you can say a big, guy, big head guy from Tennessee told me this many years ago. If you and your spouse do not get along in a duplex, 4,000 square foot home ain't going to make it no better. You just have more room to get away from each other. <laughs> if you all can't get along in a, oh man, this is the wrong audience. A pinto, y'all wouldn't even know what a pinto is. <laughs> what is a cheap car that, like, y'all yeah. don't know anything about cheap. I mean, y'all got iPhones, y'all. Okay. <laughs> all right, that, uh, what? A if you don't get along with your spouse in a Chevy, a Chevy, a Chevy Avea, I don't know if I ever heard of it. A Chevy Avea, <laughs> he might be making something up. A Chevy Avea, a brand new BMW Mercedes is not going to make the relationship any better. People, stuff would never make your relationship, would never give you the significance you live look, looking for. Now, God don't have no problem with us having stuff. But when you allow stuff to define you, and you think, but if I get this, I'm going to be happy and successful, you will never be successful when you get stuff. And if you do, guess what? Guess the difference between a poor man
man and the rich man when Jesus come back. The poor man going to have this many ashes. The rich man going to have this many ashes. But they both going to have ashes. Because God going to burn it up according to what the scripture teaches. It will all go up in flames. So what you're not hearing, but do you prefer stuff over him? Can you truly follow him? Uh, uh, stuff got in the way. Paul in Acts 26, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Here's a question for you tonight. Are you pursuing the heavenly vision of the American dream? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Answer it in your spirit. Are you pursuing the American dream of the heavenly vision? Which one is more important to you? So if you and I are going to be true followers of Christ, we're going to have to prefer him over others. We're going to have to prefer him over our own self. We're going to have to prefer him over stuff. Now the Bible teaches, don't miss this, no man who give up father, parents, houses, and land for my name's sake, not only would I bless him in the life to come, but I'll bless him in his life too. That's what the scripture teaches. See, you think you're going to lose something by following Christ. The Bible says you're going to gain something by following Christ. I'm not the inner city of a Chattanooga. First dad I ever knew was me. Never knew my dad. I became a dad when I was a teenager. Got a pretty good job. Eventually became a drug dealer. Walked out, left my family, divorced my wife, left her with the kids. Because I thought the world had everything. See, life was about me. I was selfish. And I preferred my friends even over my family. And life was about me. And I became a drug dealer and I thought stuff. And I had everything the world said was going to make me happy. I had a big house, big car, nice, all that kind of stuff. Living, having money. But I was still empty. I got a divorce. I was on my way from Chattanooga, back from Atlanta to Chattanooga. I was stopped on the interstate. Had over $20,000 worth of cocaine. Was eventually sentenced to uh, 10 years in prison. Was facing 30. Took a plea bargain. Was sentenced to uh, 10 years to serve four. In prison, I went to chapel service with the wrong motive. But check this out. Some of you all are in here with the wrong motive. But don't miss this. God's motive was that he loved me. And even though my motive was wrong, God's motive was that he loved me and he had drawn me unto himself. And God began to say, Daryl, you are a sinner. Not because you grew up in a housing project. Not because you sold drugs. Not because you had a child when you was a teenager. Not because you walked out on your family. You are a sinner because it's your very nature. And if you'd have grew up in suburbia America, and you'd have had two parents, and you would have kept yourself sexually pure, and you would have never sold drugs, you are still a sinner by nature. And you still would have needed my grace. And Daryl, I love you so much, I'm not going to fix you up. I'm not going to straighten you out. I'm going to make you new. I'm going to give you a new nature. I'm not just going to give you anybody nature. I'm not going to give you Abraham nature. I'm not going to give you Moses. I'm not going to give you Billy Grahams or, or Tony Evans or anybody. I love you so much, I'm going to give you the nature of my son. I'm going to give you Jesus nature. Therefore, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he become a new creature, a new creation. He have a new nature. And on my prison cell on March 11, 19... 91, I fell on my knees before a holy God. And I said, Lord, I agree with you. I have tried everything the world said going to make me happy. I've dated pretty women, and had nice cars, and had nice clothes, I've had money, and I'm still empty. If this Jesus that I'm reading about, this Jesus that I'm hearing about, if he's going to make a difference. See, I took the mask off. Men and women. 
Many people wear masks every day. And for the first time in my life, my mask fell off. And I opened the door of my heart and I accepted Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. And everything that I thought I lost, God has given me back more in abundance. I know that the scripture is true because it's in my life. Not what I learned in a seminary, not what I learned at a seminar, but what I learned experiencing Christ for myself. Men and women, you will never regret following Christ. It's been the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I came on staff with Campus Crusade. I don't meet the profile. I don't have a college degree. I have a high school diploma, and I'm a convicted felon. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but, and I don't, I, I, I don't have a seminary degree, so I, I, I don't know all the Greek words. I don't know all the Hebrew words, but this is what I know. Jesus loved me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And at the end of the day, I have Jesus, and he has changed my life. And we want him in, 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 in crusade and student venture and, and, and I know tired in them heart. They want Jesus. They want you to get the fullness of him. Not just be cool with Jesus and hang out with him, but they want you to experience him to the fullness. And this is what Jesus was teaching in John 6. He said, unless you eat of my, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot be my disciples. You got to want I'm of me. And this is what the scripture said. And they began to murmur and come to themselves and say, this is a hard teaching. See, what I just was teaching tonight is a hard teaching. This is what Jesus was talking about. They said, who can do it? And the scriptures say, and many of his disciples followed him no more because his teaching was too hard. Men and women, God is calling us to a life of surrender, a life to make a difference. And we can't do it, we can't do it just the same bells and whistles. We just have a nice stage with nice this and all the lights and all that. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. Somewhere we got to get trained and equipped and we got to go out in the battlefield and we got to have a wartime mentality but we still have a peacetime mentality. We think God just called us and saved us so we can find a husband or a wife that's godly. No, God saved us to make a difference. And we can't make a difference. We can't live out Luke 15 until we surrender and live out Luke 14. The night message is a call. There's over 700 students involved, men and women. If you apply this to your life, you're going to be surprised. And you, are, you will see what God would do at this university. But it's going to take men and women getting on their knees before God. And say, Lord, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this night. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for these students. I pray, Father, as they have heard your truth, that you will minister to their heart. I know you love them. You love them so much that you died for them. We commit them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I love you. God bless. Don't forget to visit the student interview. The woman that I said I divorced, God brought me out of prison. We remarried, and we've been on staff 17 years. And so God brought my family back together. Uh,